Hi, everyone. This is the Weird World Podcast. I'm Dean. Where Dean suddenly forgot how to do a podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. No one else does either. So, who are you, by the way? What's your uh, name? My name is Carrie. Who cares? What's your name? I already said my name. Oh. You're not even paying attention. You're looking at your paper. God. So we are here to give you some updates. Consider this a weird world news update version. We're going to update a couple of stories that we covered in previous weird world news episodes. We're going to start with one from Carrie, then I I have one as well. Mine's not really an update, more as an addition to. Okay. I guess mine kind of is too. Remember the story about the bear that ate the mad honey and turkey and got all high and it was a hallucinogen and had to be rescued. Yeah, it was a special kind of honey. It was a different kind of honey. I don't mm-hmm. remember. It was had a weird name. No, it was, it was called Mad Honey, but Mad it honey, basically but... from um, bees that use the rhododendron. Okay. Flowers. It has a halluc- which apparently are very toxic. Did so not the know toxic that. hallucinatory powers of the rhododendron translate into the honey, honey. that those bees make. Mm-hmm. Intriguing. And that honey is very expensive, like $170 oh. a pound, as I recall. So if someone was like did a lot of fentanyl and then they peed and someone oh. for whatever reason drank the urine, would they get high? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I'm just throwing but that it, out there. But it go flows right into one of my things. Does it? Good <laughs> go segue flows. there, Dean. I, and that was unintentional, by the way. It and, was. But Carrie's use of the word flow there, I believe, was intentional. <laughs> well, what I'm going to talk about is I think that poor little Balky's bear, mm-hmm. that was... A mis- you know, just accidental. She got into the mad honey. She didn't do it on purpose. Mm. She was also a young bear who probably uh, didn't know. Yeah. Adolescent, Carrie, adolescents do some True. crazy shit. So. What I'm going to tell you about is animals who seek out certain foods and substances purposefully Ooh. for their psychedelic inducing properties. We do a lot of animals in these weird news things. Mine's animal related as well. I know. Go ahead. Well, the first one, everybody knows cats and catnip. Well, we know that our own cats love catnip and get all high and weird, but wild cats do as well. Lions, leopards, and lynxes also like Mm. catnip. I guess it grows all around the world. It produces a chemical called nepotalactone, and I guess you can inhale it or inject it. I don't think they're injecting it, but Mm-mm. it also makes wildcats drool and sniff and stretch and roll and wow. do all that funny it's, stuff that cats do. It's hard to get uh, clean syringes in parts of Canada where the lynx live. So, I mean, you, and leopards <laughs> also. And so. It's probably not hard to get clean syringes in Canada. North, up in the north, the oh, far okay. north, the colder areas. Yeah. Well, some scientists think that the plant also has hallucinogenic properties. And because some wild cats are known to swat at imaginary prey hmm. while they're high. Cats don't need to be high to do crazy shit, especially when it comes to swats. I mean, our cat would, would run into walls chasing after a laser light all hours of the day. So, <laughs> but I doubt if wild cats Stone cold sober. I really. I am for now, next time we go somewhere where there's possible cougars, I'm going to carry okay. a laser and see if I can distract that threatening cougar with a laser light. I bet I could. Well, jaguars also really like the psychoactive things in ayahuasca. It's called really? yage or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Do they occasionally go into like a sweat lodge? and They don't need to. Go on a, on a find their... 
And if they have a, would they have a spirit human when they go on their journey? Their like wilderness journey, would they? Maybe. (laughs) Weirdo. Okay, the second one, Mm -hmm. deer and mushrooms. Deers on shrooms? Yeah, in Siberia, Scandinavia, and other similar regions, there are several species of deer, including moose and reindeer, Mm. that like to eat a certain kind of mushroom, Amanita mushroom, when they're foraging for other food in the wintertime. Those mushrooms have a sedative material called muscamol. Muscamol. And it can cause the deer to act like they're drunk. And they hmm. kind of wander, stumble around. So can near make, beer, by the way, at, at parties. <laughs> and make strange noises. Isn't that funny? So back to your pee um, theory. Yeah. So the psychoactive properties of these mushrooms intensify during digestion, and they infuse the animal's urine with psychoactive, more potent psychoactive properties so So you can drink moose pee and get high yeah the deer in these regions have learned that and there are also (gasps) indigenous tribes who do as well so they can ingest the intensified substance from the deer's urine and it's a much more potent high than just from eating the mushrooms yeah, that's one of those things we, it's like really like bad booze. You got to, can be drunk to drink that yeah. booze. It's kind of like you have to be a little high already before you're going to drink moose pee and get higher. I feel like you would you know, yeah. smoke some weed and well, then drink some moose pee. Yeah, gross, huh? Okay, number three, pufferfish. Pufferfish. You know, they're super toxic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think people it can eat kill them. you. Can't, can it kill you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. People have died when they're not, fugu, when it's not. Oh, is that what Fugu is? Uh-huh. Well, dolphins are smarter than humans, and they have learned that they like the the whatever the high inducing properties of just a little bit of pufferfish uh-huh. toxin. That's a it's a dangerous game they're playing. So what they do is they scare a pufferfish, okay. stress it out so that it puffs up and then produces the toxin. And then they kind of toss it around in their mouths, and they do it very cautiously because yeah. they, you know, they don't want to get too much, and they don't want to kill the pufferfish. I'm assuming, and so they just toss it around, get a little bit, and then they get high, and they just kind of float around and really, and, yeah, in kind of like a trance, and yeah, isn't that weird? I, I do people. I've seen it on TV, but do people really get high from licking frogs, frogs? from South America? Is that a thing? Like toxic frogs. I don't I know they, if they do, but I know that I don't know if licking it works. But um, the people do scrape the whatever off the substance off the frogs, and then I don't know what they have to do to it. And, smoke it and smoke it. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm just kidding. I think you are. Right. They really do smoke it. Yeah, okay. I do. yeah. How? And that's where the whole licking thing comes in. Like it's such a hassle. To scrape it and so just go ahead and lick a frog. Smoke it. So then they just lick it. I don't know if it really works that the, or not. That famous Peter Gabriel song yeah. "Lick That Frog" was, yeah. was based on, on an episode he had with a yeah. uh, toxic frog. Yeah. Stop saying yes when I'm making everything. Oh. I'm just saying up. That's all. <laughs> that's not even called "Lick That Frog." It's called "Kiss That Frog." You're just you're scaring me, Gary. Well, I'm just listening to your story. Okay. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying yes. You're right. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> Famous song. I heard. I like that song. Well, why are you lying to our listeners? That's not nice. <laughs> I, thought, yeah, I thought it was obvious. Well, so anyway, that's interesting about 
dolphins. Yeah. Bighorn sheep like to ingest lichen. Mm. That Delish. Isn't that just for the salt? No. Well, I don't know. But in the green. There is a a certain kind of lichen, probably their favorite kind. Type of lichen that has an addictive combination of algae and fungus. Mm, it's called ranch flavored lichen. I it, it only exists in extreme environments, so it's very treacherous for them to get to it. That probably makes it even better. Yeah, but it's worth a, it's it. hallucinogenic, and they scrape it off the rocks with their teeth, and then they also wear away their teeth. <laughs> That's a high price to pay. Is it? Can it? Can any of these do the same to humans? I would imagine. I would think so too. Because we know about the last one, wallabies get high on poppies. Oh. Which we now, know. Now, these they do shoot up, right? There is available. <laughs> in Australia is well known with needle exchange programs. So, Nope. No. But uh, on Tasmania, farmers have found wallabies like in fields of poppy plants just eating <laughs> tons of them. <laughs> Easy prey for a roving... Wait, there aren't any dingoes in Tasmania, but we believe there are thylacines. So what... Is there any predators left on Tasmania? I have no idea. Huh. But so after the wallabies eat the poppies, they run around in circles until they crash. And so <laughs> it, it looks like crop circles. Really? Uh-huh. And then it says they keep coming back for more. I don't blame them. It. And we all know poppies make heroin. Make you sleepy. Yeah. And, but heroin is an extraction process, right? You can't just eat poppies. Humans can't eat poppies and get high, can they? I don't, I don't know. If you do it in California, you get arrested. Yeah, that's true. We, we uh, protect our poppies. I'm sure it's a certain kind of poppies. Probably. Still, our, even our then. poppies are probably not. I feel like heroin that comes from poppies yeah. is, you know, it's a process there. Yes. It's like corn and the moonshine. You got to do some shit first. <laughs> there is. You don't just eat corn. So that's, oh, also, this one's not in my notes, but you've heard of loco weed? Who hasn't? I always thought that was marijuana. I, I think it is. It isn't. It's not? What is it? No. There is an actual weed called loco weed that grows wild in the Midwest of the United States. Uh, it's a high protein plant that cows will, you know, because it's growing wild. So yeah. when cows find it, they they want it. They're, I guess, they're attracted to it because protein. Yeah, high protein. Cows need protein, but it, but it also. I mean, I know that sounds like a stupid question, but herbivores, how, they don't really eat protein. I don't you know. Think they'd, they uh, like yeah. it, but it also makes them loco. Uh, yeah, I think um, people have adopted it to, to refer to weed. Also, but I didn't know there was an actual real loco yeah. weed that cows get high. So the cows are getting high? Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. It has colorful flowers and a deadly phytotoxin <gasps> called swainsonine, hmm. which it can cause grazing animals to go into a calm trance where they just kind of stand around and do nothing. <laughs> and you can tip them. Doesn't sound very dangerous to me. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Yeah, it does. Well, what if there's predators? Again, I'm worried about predators. Oh, I guess it says there's been instances where livestock have eaten too much mm. and then they act a little crazy and energetic. And then after the the levels drop and then they are lethargic and disoriented. That probably <laughs> explains some of the bisons going after tourists and Maybe. Yellowstone. And maybe. Funny. They had some local weed and got a little skittish. Yeah. So that's my update. Yeah, that was What's updates, yours? I feel like. I Mine is about an animal as well. This isn't the update, but I've been reading about how orcas 
one of my favorite animals. I'm yes. sure yours as well, known as killer whales, which I consider a uh, derogatory term yes, and offensive. Is. They are orcas. Any other words? Their word. In South, I think it's South Africa. They've been going after sharks, including great white sharks, oh. killing them just to eat their livers and Ooh. leaving the carcass, the rest of the carcass. They dig, they eat enough and dig through enough to get to the liver. Num, 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 num on the liver. The rest of the carcass washes up. Well, that's wasteful. It is wasteful, Orcas, but it sounds delicious. I imagine there's all kinds of other creatures in the sea that will eat what's left over, right? Probably. Let's assume yes. Yeah. But I did see a picture of a carcass, and it's kind of like shredded in his abdomen. His, his liver's gone, and otherwise it looked pretty intact. The whole front of the half of it, and even the tail, was intact. So it just really just, they dig through for the liver and eat that. Interesting. Yeah. How do they know? Does Has there been any research into this? Uh, sure. Must have been. I have no idea. <laughs> but... That's not my story. My update is about something we brought to you, I can't remember when, one of the first ones, I think, yes. which was about orcas attacking boats, yes. particularly off of the Iberian Peninsula, off of the coast of Spain and Portugal. Uh-huh. It's been going, it's been ramping up. Really? It, it looks like it might even be adopted by the entire subspecies. They're called Iberian orcas. There's very few of them left. Uh, they're revolting for some reason. Uh, we don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. So... Just, I mean, very recent, just a few days ago, they went after another ship off the southern coast of Spain. It was, it was on the way to Gibraltar, flying under actually a British flag. It was called the Moustique, and a group of orcas came after it, and like they are wont to do, they went after the rudder. They break the rudder, and in this case, they're also ramming the side, and they pierced the hull of the oh ship. Oh, my God. I mean, it's, this is... It has to be terrifying. These things can last, by the way, anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours long. I think this one lasted like 90 minutes. So they're repeatedly ramming and messing with it. They appear to go after the rudder to disable the boat. Yeah. They tip, when the boat is disabled and it's stopped and it's dead in the water, they typically leave. So there's give no appearance that they're trying to hurt anyone. They're messing with your boat. They're going huh. to fuck up your boat and leave you stranded in the ocean. Which have there ever been any instances of people being hurt? There have not, wow. not in these boat attacks anyway. So they call yeah. this boat the Mystique. They frantically call the Spanish authorities, mm-hmm. and the Spanish deployed their. They, they have like a rapid rescue vessel and a helicopter, and it, it carried a pump. And they, uh, and this was a by the way, a twenty meter, a sixty six foot vessel. It's a large, it's a pretty big boat. Yeah, and they landed on it and started pumping it. And but they had to tow it into harbor at Cadiz. It was wow. completely disabled; couldn't run. Yeah. And this now, okay. So here's the thing: twenty of these interactions have been in the last month alone, in and around just the Strait of Gibraltar. Huh? I mean, it's it's they're doing it a lot. It's usually smaller vessels, but it could be thirty footers, fifty footers, sixty footers. In 2022, for the full year, there were 207 interactions between boats and orcas in this why are people still going out on boats (laughs) it's scary this most recent one was the fourth time there was the third one just in um just this year i'm not sure if we're just in the last month or so it was on on may 4th a group of orcas attacked a vessel called the alberon champagne it was a sailing yacht and They, again, rammed it so badly that it was completely flooded and had to be left, had to be abandoned. Again, they called the authorities and they abandoned it and it sunk. So they sunk that one. In this attack of the uh, Albania, what was it called again? The um, Alboran Champagne, this yacht, uh, 
this is a group that they believe was a mother and possibly a young. They're not sure, but there was a larger animal and two smaller orcas. And the two smaller ones went back to the rudder and, and like messed with the rudder and rammed it, held it, bit it, things like yeah. that. The big one, she, they think a, a female orca, kept repeatedly ramming the hull with her head, wow. backing up, speeding forward, ramming the hull with her head again and again and again until she sunk it. You know, it started leaking so bad they had, yeah. had as I mentioned, abandoned it and it sank. That doesn't sound like it's that great for the orca. It's not. And, and a lot of the, some of the researchers are really worried because yeah. there's 39 Iberian orcas left by the most oh, recent no. census, which is about a, over a decade ago. It was 2011. So they're very, very scarce. They're highly endangered. And four of those orcas have died in the last 10 years or so. They haven't for sure associated any of those with these kinds of attack it may just yeah. be coincidence but they are worried that they are going to get hurt yeah. doing this it's but they're they keep on doing it and the authorities are never going after the orcas no okay that's no good. but they're also worried that somebody's going to start taking shots at them yeah. to protect their boat right which is is probably inevitable if they keep doing it yeah experts believe that this behavior may be being taught even right. One, the, the person on that boat said on the yacht said, quote, the little one shook the rudder at the back while the big one repeatedly backed up and rammed the ship with full force from the side. But he said, the two little orcas observed the bigger one's technique and with a slight run-up, they too slammed into the boat. So is it is it being yeah. taught or just being mimicked? We don't know, but it's possible they're actually teaching each other this behavior. Wow. Yeah, it is it's weird. It's a little Are scary. Are these just pleasure boats? Yeah. It's not... They're it's all sailing in catamaran. They almost never go after like powered fishing boats. Occasionally they do, but almost always it's some kind of sailing boat or catamaran, something like that in almost every case. Okay, because I was going to say if there's a motor, I mean, um, that would be you very know, dangerous. Yeah, it would Especially be. if they're messing around with the rudder isn't that right by where a motor would yeah, be yes it is so maybe they're I yeah. mean, they're, they're pretty damn smart so. they're dolphins they're essentially giant porpoises right. so Yikes. they're very intelligent uh I, well, again uh i don't think dolphins are smarter than whales um yeah they're for sure well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily think yeah, so, dolphins but, and porpoises are the smartest things out there yeah two days earlier before this another six orcas attacked a sailboat the sailor that was navigating was named greg blackburn and he was on board and he said the mother orca to him appeared to be teaching its calf yeah. how to charge the rudder and yeah. slam into the rudder quote it was definitely some form of education teaching going on now he's not an expert experts are i think very skeptical of that but it it's it is interesting it's at the very yeah. least they're learning from one another whether it's intentional teaching or not uh -huh. i don't know so they, again, they attack the rudder. Sometimes they scrape the hole with their teeth. Can you imagine this 25, 30 foot? They can get as much as, as 30 feet over nine yeah. meters. They're huge, huge animals. They are apex predators. The only thing bigger that's a, an active predator in the ocean is a sperm whale. These are, are absolutely very, very dangerous animals. If they wanted to kill us, if they wanted to eat us, they'd eat us all the time. Yeah. I mean, every kayaker out off of Puget Sound would be fresh meat if they wanted to go after yeah. you. Yeah. In three cases, they have sunk boats. In July 2022, they sank a sailboat with five people on board. In November 2022, oh, no. they caused a sailboat carrying four to go down. And then there's this one with the Alba, Alberon Champagne. So they've sunk three boats here just in the last, uh, less than a year. That would be terrifying. We have been um, conditioned to be afraid of orcas. We have? 
Why would you say that? Because they're called killer whales and oh, there have been movies okay. and stuff. And eh, maybe this is revenge for A, SeaWorld, and B, the movie Orca. Yeah. Not a good movie. It was Jaws with an Orca yeah. attempt. But I, it's funny you say that because I don't, wouldn't feel threatened at all of a killer whale. Okay. Like I said, if they wanted to, there's been no verified, I think we talked about this last time when we first told the story. There's no verified incident of a, of an orca ever attacking a human being with intent to prey. Yeah. One time, I think there's some some guy. There's like a researcher on an ice floe, and an orca was trying to tip him off, which is a, what they'll do to seals or penguins right. to eat them. They'll yeah. tip you off and go get you as you fall on the other side. But they're pretty sure he, they the orca thought he was a seal, and yeah. he he was not eaten. eaten. Did, so did he fall off? I I think he he was able to hold on until the boat came in and got, got him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. It would still be very scary. Like, oh, my yeah, bad. Sorry, exactly. but I just swallowed you. Yeah. So, again, it sails boats. They attack the stern. And they attack the rudder. As one of these articles said, they lose interest as soon as they have successfully stopped the boat. Yeah. In more than wow. five... This is a, a guy named... Oh, I can't think of his... It's Lopez Fernandez. He's a, a Spanish researcher. And he, he works for a group called Atlantica Orca Working Group, GTOA, as you know. He said, quote, in more than 500 interaction events recorded since 2020, there are three sunken ships. We estimate that killer whales, which he shouldn't say. Maybe, yeah. I'm going to see my bad translation yeah. there. Only touch one ship out of every hundred that sail through the location. And he's saying that, like, so don't worry about it. Really? Right. One in a hundred? <laughs> and he's probably exaggerating conservatively. You, you'll notice this. You know this with all researchers, and rightfully so. They're very productive. They, they, they're saying, oh, this is no big deal. This yeah. is nothing. This is going to go away. They're going to stop doing it. They're going to lose interest because they're trying to protect their... Or it's the same way a lot of SARC researchers always say, oh, attacking people is an accident. They think you're a SEAL, which is complete bullshit. Yeah. For sure, they're preying on us. Um, but they say that to protect the animal that they love and research yes. all the time. I get it, but I, I these are dangerous situations. Well, I'm on the shark, the shark, the shark side, too. I mean, we're in I, their ocean. I have no problem I mean, with it. Yeah. So stop saying they think we're a SEAL. Yeah. They think we're meat, and that's fine. That's what they do. That's how they act. And it's still very rare. So. It's extremely so, rare. Yeah. yeah. So don't alibi for them shark <laughs> researchers so dumb uh, like like why would you give up meat yeah they are they're predators who need to consume protein yeah. um about 20 percent of these attacks have have caused enough damage to at least disable the, the vessel yeah. so again these are these are you know dangerous behavior by the way it's not been seen this behavior is unknown anywhere outside of the iberian peninsula at least right now They've done some other weird things. Like, remember the first one we said, like, orcas off of um, the Washington coast were swimming around with salmon, dead salmon yeah. on their head. Yeah. So there's a couple of things, a couple of reasons I think this might be happening. There's an orca named White Gladys. She's one of the, uh, she's a large adult female in this, of uh, this subspecies. And she was the first adult that they noticed being involved in these incidents. And researchers think maybe something happened to her. So a boat, a fishing boat. She got snared yeah. in a net of a fishing boat or something. Something bad happened that she associates with boats and she's going after boats and she's teaching and or other orcas are yeah. learning from her behavior by <laughs> going after these boats and stopping them. Uh, quote, this is Lopez again. He says, all this has to make us reflect on the fact that human activities, even in an indirect way, are at the origin of this behavior. End quote. The problem is it might not be that. Yeah. That, that could be other people, other researchers think it's, it's a quote fad. Again, the salmon on the head, that right. was a fad. They started, they did it for a while, mostly adolescent, mostly male 
adolescent orcas. So male adolescents are the worst things in every species. <laughs> you said it, huh? It's a fact. And they did this salmon fad thing. They think maybe that is happening here. This is some kind of fad. This wouldn't be male adolescents because uh, all genders and ages are, are apparently doing it. Yeah. At least I think, I, gosh, I could have the number wrong, but I think nine separate orcas have been identified as doing this behavior, as, as attacking boats for this wow. reason, at least. So they think it just might be imitation and the fad will eventually go away. That's the other. So it's like revenge or just like someone did it for whatever reason. Other people said that looks fun. Yeah. Other other orcas said that looks fun and started doing it again. So the, the and the authorities now, you have to report any interaction with an orca. You have to report it to the Spanish authorities or the Portuguese authorities. That's good. And they have official advisory now. If you see orcas, try to stay away from them. If you see them like turning around and coming back towards you or circling or something like that, you're told get away get as away. fast as you can. You know, if you can, if you can, give them a wide berth. Again, these again, these are sailing wow. vessels. I wonder if because sailing vessels and catamarans are can be as fast as most. I'm assuming are not as fast as most powered vehicles. Yeah. You know, maybe they are though. Actually, sailing yachts can go yeah. pretty damn fast. Or it is it depends. because they're less dangerous to them because they understand that that's that propeller right. could kill them? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. So that's the update on orcas behaving badly I, I have around a, boats. I have an orcas behaving heartwarmingly lovely oh, story. I, that's better. Tell us about that. It's just from my head. I saw a video. So you're making it up. No. Okay. No, but I don't have it written down. I didn't oh. plan on that. Is it the one with that orca plays the piano? No. No, okay. <laughs> I didn't know your story was going to be about orcas. Mm. I'm pretty sure they were orcas. It, there was There's an albino orca, <gasps> and I don't know exactly where this is, but somebody has video of it, and other people have seen this before. It, there, it's like a known pod or whatever. Do orcas travel in pods? Yes. Okay. It's one albino orca and then the others, and they believe the albino orca is blind. Oh. And so the other orcas just kind of slowly swim alongside of it mm. and nudge it, nudge it in the right direction. That's very nice. Yeah, isn't that sweet? It's like so scent of a woman in, in orca world, kind of sort. Maybe not really at all. Kept it alive. That's very. And do they feed it? Can it feed? Well, wait. They don't they hunt by echolocation? I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know, know to be honest either. But I, um, it was just a quick little video and. Hmm. And whoever was posting it or narrating, I don't it think they rely they, like the the. I think the white orca had a name, so uh, you know it's known to people wherever this. I don't think they rely on eyesight to hunt. I think they do hunt by echolocation or something. I think I'm not, I could be I could be completely wrong about that, but I imagine what they're trying to do is keep it close because you yeah. want to stay close to the pod yeah. and it it you know hey we're going this way yep swim swim north yep. Huh. Pretty nice. Well, good though. for the yeah. So they I'm don't just you. just leave it to its own devices to survive or not. I'm very pro orca, as I you might too. be able to tell. But um, so I so I hope all you Spanish and Portuguese listeners, if you're attacked by an orca, please don't harm it. Just you know what? Try to get away. If it disables your vessel, it disables <laughs> your vessel. Deal <laughs> with Tips it. Tips from Dean. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have one more for you. This is also an update. I said before that the Orca one wasn't an update. It kind of was an update. This one is for sure an update. We talked about in the past the thylacine. I don't know if we did it on Weird News. Well, I think we did a weird bit on No, the, we did. Remember they found the oh, yeah, thylacine that's right. body or skeleton in a drawer or whatever? Yeah. So this is another update of the thylacine, which in case you don't know, that is the also some 
sometimes called the Tasmanian tiger or the Tasmanian wolf, is a dog-like marsupial that had stripes that lived in Australia and Tasmania. When dingoes came, they wiped them out of the Australian mainland, and they, but they survived in Tasmania up until modern times. The 1930s. 1936 in Hobart Zoo was the last one to die. There is great black and white film of it walking around his tiny little mm, cement great, lion cage. Great well, film. considering that it does all, it, you can see a living extinct creature, thought extinct creature. You can see it open its, its mouth extraordinarily right, wide. The hunters were fearful that they were going to kill their sheep, so they wiped them out because they're awful, awful people. And the hunters, the farmers. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Farmers and ranchers basically yeah. wiped them out. There was a bounty on them. It's just, just disgusting. They are thought, though, by many to still live in the wilds of very mountainous and forested Tasmania, the island south of Australia, part of Australia. Mm -hmm. Recently, some researchers at the University of Tasmania looked into all the reports. So they basically did kind of a meta-analysis of different alleged sightings since 1936 of people who thought they were seeing a thylacine in Tasmania. And they came to the conclusion that they... Pretty good chance that they lived on after 1936. If, we, if, if you stop and think about it, that's almost certainly true, honestly, that really you think you got the very, very last one is in your zoo. That's unlikely in a, in a place as wild as, and as rugged as parts of Tasmania are. So they looked at these sightings, and they essentially tried to approach it scientifically. They effectively gave ratings on reliability and credibility depending on the source of those sightings. So if you were a hunter or a trapper or especially a park ranger, you sort of got a better score on that sighting. It was thought to be more reliable. Hmm. Which is interesting because I that's literally I an idea I had in, I want to say the 1980s. I was going to write a book, maybe a little bit later than that, not much, on cryptozoology and, and cryptids. Yeah. Where I was going to do exactly that. I was going to assess the sightings for how reliable. Is it just some tourist? Or is it someone who has some relationship with nature, has some expertise, something like that, and sort of rank the, the credibility of okay. the sightings and give it a kind of a score, which is what they did. It seems kind of arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. Arbitrary is not the right word for it. You can, you can question the methodology, but it's certainly not arbitrary. Giving someone with more with a more direct but, relationship with nature a better score makes I mean, sense. But see, that's only one variable. That's a humongously important variable. You could, yeah, you're right. You could, you could add things like, was it daytime versus nighttime? That's, that's was, I had like, I can't remember. I, I, may, I probably don't have it any longer. I had like a spreadsheet. Yeah. So here's the variables I was going to use and things like that. Time of day, light, yeah. You know, I, how I'm long talking, it was seen. I'm talking about variables relating to the reliability of the source. Like what? But we don't need to get into okay. it. I just... So anyway, they analyzed 1,237 reports from, that, uh, from, from 1910 to 2019, which is interesting because in 1910 they were known to still be alive, all the way up to 2019. And they gave them these rankings. And they then formulated a statistical model that from their model that they thought that thylacines may have lived at least into the 1940s and possibly into the 1970s. I guess, you know, okay. they, you start getting better or worse. I don't know exactly. They didn't explain it in this article. I read it. I think it was in Smithsonian Magazine. And a small chance that they existed up to the early 2000s. A, quote, tiny possibility, unquote, that thylacines still yeah. inhabit Tasmania to this day. Uh, the study author is named Barry Brook. Again, he was an environmental scientist at the University of Tasmania. And he said, he, yeah, sure, tiny, but he thinks it's incredibly unlikely that they're still around. Yeah. 
Here's a quote from him. The thylacine was a large, wide-ranging predator, and there have been enough cameras out there, especially over the last 10 years, to say it's just not there. You could have entertained that hypothesis 10 or 15 years ago when there hadn't been much scientific effort out there, but there has been now, and we still haven't found any trace, unquote. I think that's pessimistic, honestly. It's a little bit, I've said this before, it's a little bit arrogant that you think you've put those cameras in the exact right places at the exact right times. And I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I, if you, if you force me to say yes or no, I'd probably say no. Yeah. But I think it's more of a possibility than they let on. And I think they are internally exaggerating their own competence. How many, I mean, you probably <laughs> didn't don't, sound right, but <laughs> you probably don't know this, but I mean, how many sightings from the 1950s to the 1970s? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, people there, had, yeah. people had cameras in those days and oh, there, there are, there are absolutely videos and still pictures of things that, that appear to be thylacines. I've seen them. They sure as hell appear to be thylacines. Some of them look like they clearly have stripes. The problem is of course, they're very dog-like. Yeah. And so a feral dog can be confused for the thylacine and undoubtedly feral dogs are, I don't know, my, I would guess a, a vast majority of sightings yeah. are of feral hey, dogs. Was there any crossbreeding? Could, no. could a thylacine, couldn't. With what? With a, do- a canine. They're marsupials. They they're they're no f- like 40 million years apart on the evolutionary tree, <laughs> so not even, no. Huh. Remember, thylacines are pouched marsupials. I know. They're, they're Which closer is relatives are kangaroos and wombats and things like that. So yeah. I, I don't know. My own hunch, guess, hope, wish, but actually even assessing it. I just, I, I, again, what I said a second ago didn't sound right. Very competent scientist. I have no doubt whatsoever. Right. But I think the, your level of certainty is somewhat unwarranted because, again, you think, well, we've done. We're doing such a great job. We've done everything we can. Doesn't mean you you haven't missed it. Doesn't mean you're not in the right places. Right. Doesn't mean you haven't just been in the right place at the right time. How likely is it if it did last up until the 40s or the 70s that no skeletal remains would have ever been found? I mean, I mean, if there is, if there are thylacines, they're in, insanely rare. They'd yeah. probably number. Uh, they, you know, they could number 15, you know, 20, as long as there's enough breeding population out there, they could be a, a couple of few dozen given where they live. Again, this is very rugged, but people, Tasmania has very rugged. So people just aren't just, out there. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't come across one. You're not Nobody would ever come across Extremely one. rare animal. It's unlikely you're going to come across a skeleton. Yeah. People sometimes say that for cryptids, like that's negative evidence. And, and I, you, you like, like, oh, we've never found a body of a Bigfoot. A Sasquatch or a skeleton ever, and again, rugged, vast also, areas. Also, clearly, they bury their dead, and they probably do. But it's so. But there's two ways of looking at that. One is that oh, you know, where they are, you wouldn't expect to see yeah. a skeleton, and that's true. Yeah. And then, but cryptid people say, oh, you never see any kind of remains of wild animals or, cryptid, or, or skeletons of wild animals that we do know exist. So there, they might exist, which is just stupid because right. of course you do and, yeah. and, and people do and hikers and park rangers have yeah. occasionally come across those kinds of things all the time. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, one of my things is the, um, the idiotic supposed logical syllogism that the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Of course it is. It's great evidence for absence. Yeah. That's the, the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And people, even smart people say that like, well, we admit that, da, da, da. No, don't admit that. It's idiotic. If you're looking for something and can't find it for a long enough time, that is the best possible evidence that that thing does not exist, that there, that thing is absent. And that applies to thylacines. But yeah. I still hold out hope that there is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a few out there. They've missed the cameras. He's not wrong that 
the the efforts to go looking for them in city cam- cameras have really been heightened this last 10 or 15 years, but I still have a lot of hope. And worst case scenario, in fact, they talked to the guy who's, um, his name is Andrew Pass. He's an epigeneticist at the University of Melbourne. And he is one of those groups, there's at least two that I know are trying to recreate thought of scenes from genetic material that we okay. have. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Are they trying to do that? They're, I mean, I... Part of me says, why haven't you done this yet? Well, we had Dolly the Sheep in the, what was that, the 80s? So come on, get on it, do it, make it happen. I want Mammoth and Pythocines tomorrow. You know Jurassic Park is not a documentary. They can't yes, just... Yes, it is. I did not know that. Take, what are you telling me? They can't just take that DNA and clone an animal from it. They have to do something with it. They a, have to put it in, in a similar Yes, uh, and a there creature. isn't anything similar in there, There's every marsupial, so of course there is. There, there's, they have fairly close relatives. I can't remember the closest well, one is. Look, what's it going to be like? It's not going to be. It's not going to no, be. No, like but a they, they would be able to. They'd be able to. I mean, it's and, the and, only marsupial that looks like a dog. Yes, it, it's its closest relative was a uh, God. I I did read that once. Its closest marsupial relative was was it a? It might have been a, a qual, um, which is a little tiny predator. I can't remember, but so you can get there. You can get close. <laughs> Come on, get on it, Andrew and company. Because, like you know, the woolly mammoth. They put those in Asian elephants. Yeah, and exactly. Have a pretty close cousin. Yeah. But yeah, I, that's I, just I, my point. I'm just saying that um, a. I'm just now finding out that uh, Jurassic Park was on a documentary. I thought it was, <laughs> and b. I have faith in them. I think I can do it. I want Tasmanian. I want thylacines tomorrow, roaming the island. And then, but then the problem is going to be: Oh, were they already there? Or did, is this oh, all is that clones? A, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's put them in, let's say, Northern California. And then we'll know for sure that they're all the clone title scenes. I'm just saying. Throwing yeah. it out there. Want then, that to happen. Then, you're gonna, then you talk about unintended consequences. Ah, no. Totally intended. Actually, they, they belong in, I just said a, a few minutes ago, what predator is left in Tasmania. There really aren't any yeah. decent-sized predators. And these didn't, it's not like they were, they never were a threat to sheep. Maybe baby lambs. They have actually fairly weak jaws. They're not as big as you think they are. Uh, they were, you know, they hunt fairly small game. So I say we send them out to Tasmania, restore the balance, the ecological balance, whether they're cloned or real. And if they want to interbreed with the ones that were there the entire time, that's great. It's yeah. win-win. So that's my update for the, te- the thylacine. Thanks. It might have lived quite a bit longer than thought. That and is groundbreaking, earth-shattering news. I'm not sure that's... I feel like you're being sarcastic right I, now. I think... Hmm. I'm like, first, you're telling me that... pivot point in my life. Everything will be before oh, well, I knew about Okay. This. All right. Now you're just a monster. <laughs> Thanks for not... Uh, so I guess you hate thylacines. Okay, so it carries on a record of hating thylacines <laughs> and wishing they remain extinct. I am the opposite. She's evil. I'm good. Okay. So that is our story. Our Thanks. stories, our updates, and a weird world news update special episode. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thanks Until for next listening. time. Bye.